don't you play a little lick for us? I like saying that. Get us started on the right note. Because you sound like a musician when you say yeah. words like lick, lick and gig and stuff like that. Dig. <laughs> pitchy. It's pitchy. Yeah. I feel like I should talk in a real deep, soothing voice. Yeah, yeah, do your, do your NPR thing. <laughs> Hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to Worship Ministry Catalyst. <laughs> Worship Ministry Catalyst is a networking resource. For all worship leaders and worship team members, serving as a catalyst to facilitate <laughs> better worship through the local church. Uh, My name's David. I'm here with Kevin. Hey, Kevin, how's it going? Hi, David. Don't and you we just are want here to like go grab a coffee. Yeah, we can sit down in a big cushy couch in front of like a big fire. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I feel like I'm at Snow Sun River outside. Yeah. yeah. We're here with our special guest, uh, John Ross. If you listened to last week's episode, uh, you you heard John introduce himself, and um, uh, you heard him start to give a little uh, a little information on some basic guitar stuff. And uh, for me, being a non-guitarist, it was super super helpful. Uh, I, I felt like my mind just exploded with enlightenment. It's and, quite um, a mess to clean up. But yeah, uh, it was gross, right? All like <laughs> all the the brain matter on the yeah. on the whiteboard behind me here. Good yeah. thing you didn't get in on the uh, Ohio State. That's true. Oh, that, yeah. that would have been a big problem. It's been awkward. Because his wife actually made this. She quilted this. So that she, that's the only quilt she's ever made. That would have been a double she whammy. She hates quilting, and she made me a quilt. That's you would have been insulting both Ohio State and your wife, yes. which would have been <laughs> bad news. All yeah, around. I never would have been invited back here. So we're we're uh, we're here with John Ross. Uh, we are are privileged and honored to have uh, John Ross here. Yeesh. He's uh, he's a friend of mine, a friend of David's. We went to um, <laughs> we, we went to Sorry. we went to Bible John's college. John's pointing at my uh, my band board, and I've got <laughs> on uh, one of the slots the Olsen twins. Yeah, but yeah, I think you actually know. You know, Todd. Todd Olson. Todd Olson. Remember, he used to uh, help out with sound. Uh, is he a twin? No, he's not a twin. He's married, and his wife does the lyrics, and he does oh, sound. Call them the twins. Yeah, because they Let's they see. only come as a pair. Like, yeah, it's like a package deal. Yeah, yeah. You remember Todd from uh from That's the days? Deal. Yeah, that's that really funny. He uh, Todd. You know, quick quick yeah, plug I, for I totally Todd. Todd. He uh. Man, he's probably the hardest worker I've ever met. He goes like 110% all the time. I mean, he was just like super crazy active, just always like, okay, let's go, you know, just hauling stuff. Still like that. He hasn't changed. Yep, he's building us a drum platform right now. Wow. So we can roll the drums off stage and not have to dismantle them every time we need to clear the stage for this or that. That's great. So... Yeah, great guy. That's great. So sorry. So John Ross here with us. We get sidetracked a lot. I'm sure you've noticed I have, that. I have ADD. It took us so. 25 minutes in the first <laughs> episode to finally get back to get on the track of starting talking about guitar. Yeah. So we're gonna try and get there quicker this we're, time. We're getting there quicker. You know, but you had another it's, person that kind of you know complicates exactly. it. Cause it's real, man. Like, like we like to keep it real. And uh, boy, my mind is scattered, and I go a million directions. So, welcome to my world. You know, this is me. Yeah. And by the way, I, I want to say, I like your shirt. Thank you. You've it, always had good fashion. I'm, I'm pretty much fashionless no. when it comes to fashion. But I, uh, uh, I blame, I blame my wife. Do you? Yeah. But you know, like I, I inherited. You may not remember this. You gave me a lot of your really old sweaters when they got too small for you. 
and uh, that's because I got fatter. Yeah, <laughs> so I was. Trying. No, but um, you've actually lost a lot of weight, so I'll I'll put that plug in there. Um, you have, haven't you? <laughs> Sorry. You guys want to talk about guitar? Yeah, sorry. So John, John's a great guitarist who has great fashion, and he gave me some of his old sweaters from uh, Eddie Bauer and Banana Republic when we were in college. Um, so that's all. That's so all. So just so you know, I'll John's say. not like a great big fat guy sitting here <laughs> you know, like, with his guitar like parallel with his eyes because it's resting on his stomach. He's not. Oh. I mean, no, he's a he's a pretty small guy. He is. I'm definitely the larger guy of the of the group. But anyway, I'm the smallest. I, that's something. okay. Sorry, so, guitar. So, so John brought yeah, me his guitar. Thinks we should talk about guitar. I th- I think so too. Uh, last episode, he gave some basic stuff. Uh, this episode, we're gonna jump right into it now that we're like seven minutes into the episode. No, we're only five. Oh, good for we're us. Good. This um, is really good for us, actually. Yeah, this actually is really good for us. Just to get into content. Uh, so we're going to jump right into um, some more guitar techniques with John Ross, a uh, gifted, uh, talented musician. And um, So last time, if you didn't listen to it, which you should go listen to it, but yeah. last time we talked about some basic strumming stuff, kind of you know beginner stuff. This time we're going to get a little bit deeper. A little deeper. So take it away, John Ross. Uh so, so some real kind of practical things for, for people who are more advanced on guitar. So you're already, let's say you're already a place where you, you, you're pretty confident with your strumming patterns. You know a bunch of chords, and um, you're trying to get into uh, playing songs that are either more complicated or you're trying to do artistic, more artistic things with songs. So we'll just talk about a few simple ideas that can be helpful. Um, a capo is a helpful thing for, for any guitarist. Uh, now, um I notice you've got like just the standard spring-loaded capo there, but uh, you know we've got a couple guitars around here that are really picky about their capo. Yes. What's uh, what's the difference uh, among capos? Does it matter? <laughs> I I have owned probably ten different capos, mostly because I lose them a lot or someone <laughs> steals them. And I'm pretty sure the one I'm using right now I did not buy. Uh, <laughs> like you stole it from someone? I'm I'm supposing so, but it's the standard, just the standard Kaiser capo. Uh, they have different capos that are, that are you know set up so, so they come off quicker, go on quicker. Or one of the standard, one of the complaints against the capo is if um, if it puts too much pressure on, on the strings, you're gonna pull your guitar sharp a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, which it can tend to do. Um, the easiest thing I find to do is using a Kaiser capo. What you want to do is when you put it on, if you're putting a cap- if you're capo in the third fret, don't capo directly in the middle of the fret. Capo uh, as far up, almost almost on the actual fret. Yeah. So so if you're capoing third fret, you're gonna capo almost straight on the fret, and that's gonna sort of minimize it pulling your guitar sharp. Um, I find that these ones are are just. I don't know. Personal preference, they're, they're, they're easy to move, easy to pull on and off. And if you put them almost directly on the fret, you're going to get around that problem of it pulling your guitar sharp. So what, what's one of the other? Is there one like the chubs or something like that? Uh, shub. Shub. Yeah. You can you can sort of adjust uh, how much pressure it's putting. Oh, it has like a tension screw yeah, or something? exactly. Funny. I, I Yeah, for what it's worth. Uh, um, and that's, you know, that's like three times as expensive as that capo right (laughs) to be honest it just in my opinion it just really doesn't matter okay so in your in your uh experience you find that that one works just works just yep 
So I, I just wanted to, you know, kind of clear Absolutely. up the capo confusion. There yeah, I appreciate <laughs> it. The capo controversy yeah. of 2009. So, yes. Uh, it was one a big kind of standard use for capos is um, for, for like, so, so y'all are both pianists. You um, They don't make capos for the piano. <laughs> exactly. Well, you pick a song like, uh, so if you're playing a piano and you've got a song in A flat, uh, you're probably fairly comfortable playing it. I mean, maybe you've got more black keys in there and it's a little bit more complicated, but you've played in that key. It's not that difficult. But for a guitar player, they're going to try to play an A-flat. They're going to be playing, you know, all these different barred chords the whole time, and then their hand is going to go into atrophy. Carpal tunnel. Honestly, it's hard to have cool voicings if you're playing yeah. only barred chords. chords. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, what a lot of players will do is if you've got a song in A flat, well, that's just, just one half step up from G, and most guitar players can play in G. Uh, so just by throwing a capo on the first fret, all of a sudden now you've got these nice, clean, open voicings. Uh, yeah. And you, you're, you're playing these voicings you're familiar with, but now you're in A flat. So um, very helpful in that way. You'd have to know... a bit of music theory uh, in order to be able to apply that uh, you could do which is coming in a future podcast as ah, simple as uh, knowing that the song's in A flat and you're going to play in G so every chord you see just play a half step lower uh, which not everyone can do but or, or there's you know slightly more complicated ways to go about doing that theory but but this one of the hugely helpful uh, reasons people will use a capo uh, the other is, if you've got a couple guitars playing together, uh, there's nothing worse than two guitar players playing together, playing the exact same thing as each other. Mm. Yeah. Uh, if you wanted uh, that sound, you would just buy a chorus pedal and have one <laughs> guitar player play <laughs> with a chorus pedal. It would be... Uh, and it would probably actually sound better. Um, <laughs> so if, you, if you're going to play two guitar players together, uh, a capo can be really helpful. Uh, we do this a lot at Pearl because I play guitar and I like to schedule other uh, guitar players. So um, let's say you're playing a really simple uh, hymn. You're playing Come Thou Fount or something. Um, we do it a lot in C. So let's say this is how you're playing it. And what should the other guitar player play? So the other guitar player could do something in C, but but if they had a capo, they could throw it up on the fifth fret uh, and play the same song and play along uh, in this way. Uh, that's cool. It gets that higher. So you're playing the same chords along with it. Anyway, very helpful use for a capo uh, so to we, create a whole different um, complementary kind of sound on the guitar. So we have, uh, on one of my bands here, we have I have two acoustics. And uh, one of the guys, well, he's really, he's a really, he knows like every chord and how to do all the inversions. And he's like a chord fiend, you know, if he's listening to a song and, and you're playing like, you know, the wrong chord, he'll tell you that that's the seventh, not the... You know, whatever. <laughs> but um, and so he but when he's playing, he'll play on the seventh fret, which is like is up an octave, right? Or is twelfth will put you up an octave. Well, so I don't know what he's doing then. Anyway, he plays <laughs> on the seventh fret. 
but it ends up basically sounding a lot like like a twelve string guitar or something. Okay, yeah, yeah. Or because you're getting those those really high yeah kind of things in there. Yeah, but it's 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 kind of cool. It's a way. Well, and he's you know he's our more experienced guy, and so and the other guy's a newer guy, so he's not going to do the more complicated stuff. So it kind of gives a a chance to to have the guy with a little more experience be on the same team as the new guy and kind of help him out and get his feet wet and stuff like that. So, but the fifth fret, so you said fifth fret and you were playing, the song was in C. song's in C. But you were playing playing a G G chord on the fifth fret. uh, It's going to sound as a C chord. Technically, you're hearing a C chord even though your finger is is playing the G voicing. Okay. Because you're capable. Uh, The other thing that's that's handy about that is um, if you've got a song... uh, that sounds, the, the, you just prefer the sound of a different voicing, uh, you can use it. Uh, sometimes coming off out like that, I will do, um, there's a, um, a Derek Webb song called We Come to You that we do at Pearl Church all the time. Mm-hmm. And I just, I like the way it sounds in G a lot better. It's, it's written in C. Uh, the song goes, As you came to us, so we come to you. It's got this real nice ring to it in in well your capo up on five. If you were to play the same thing in the key, the same key, but down in C is you came to us, so we come to you. Baby. It's got the same vibe, but it's kind of missing that. Yeah. Um, it's it's just a different vibe. It, so, it so, um, loses some of its tonality yeah, up there. I would the encourage top. guitar players to use the capo to experiment with. You know, what would this sound like if I were to, to use different voicings and play at different places up on the neck? Um, I mean, obviously, you can sort of go to extremes and do it too much, but uh, but it can lead you to some interesting places and, and create different sounds and can be creative. Now, now speaking of voicings, John, um, can you talk a little bit about, you know, maybe using like open voicings, uh, like, yeah, totally. like an open E type of thing? You know, one of the things I, I'm trying to encourage some of my, of my young guitar players to do, uh, which is hard because I don't actually know a lot of guitar. Um, I, I know a little bit, you know, just mostly just from hanging around you back in the days of forgiving much. But, you know, I, I, again, I know what sounds good. And uh, so some of my young guitar guitars who oftentimes will play these, like, chords and they'll always play, like, the bottom notes, which end up making everything sound really muddy without playing, like, an open type of voice. And can you talk about what that looks like? Totally. Uh I think it starts with the idea that there's any countless number of ways to play any chord. Uh, so, so when you look at a chord sheet that says play an E chord, uh, most people would just play the, the, the most basic, familiar E chord voicing they knew, uh, which would be fine. Um, knowing if, if you knew multiple other voicings of an E chord, though, if you knew you could play an E chord that sounded like that or one that sounded like that or one that sounded like that or here um, you would sort of have different options available to you that had slightly different nuances of, of, of feel to them they're all E chords um, but you would also have different things available to you on the fretboard that, that would have more or less in common with the chords around them so the basic theory of it is if, um, if I'm playing an A2 and the next chord is an E, I'm going to look for 
the voicing I know of E that's the closest to this. So very little change to just drop a finger down and move to that E voicing. Uh, if I'm playing an A2 uh, up here, uh, I'm up like on the, the ninth fret here, I'm going to move to an E chord voicing that's very similar to that. Uh, so, so having these different voicings available to you, essentially voicing is another a fancy word for a different version of that chord, uh, will enable you to create a sound that has a lot of continuity to it, uh, which just happens to sound good on the acoustic guitar. Yeah. So if you're playing uh, a song that's got a, an E, an A, a B, and a C sharp minor, uh, you could do something like that E, this A, this B, and this C-sharp minor, these have a, a fair amount in common, but if, if you were able to pull up here to the 7th and ninth fret and do... Oh, yeah. See, that, see that, that stuff sounds so good, you know? You're just using uh, different voicings of the same chord That's that have great. a lot in common. And see, so you, you said it was on the 7th and ninth fret? Just by learning different voicings, you're going to find a way to play something that's really pleasing to the ear. Uh, a lot more than, than something like... Right, right. See, so what you played right there, that, that's how a lot of my young guitarists are, are playing. And, and I, I don't know how to communicate, uh, you know, play the open sound. Right. And depending on the song, you might want something that sounds, you know, like this. If there's a... If there's a reason, you know, a reason that you want it to sound that way. Uh, but these are just kind of chords that you would find in a in a chord book. So by experimenting around and finding, um, borrowing chord voicings from popular songs that you like or, or uh, from other guitar players you see and, and learning different versions of the same chord, you'll open all these different possibilities up. So as a guitar player, I found myself... Uh, honestly learning a lot from uh, like listening to d your Dave Matthews and your John Mayer, kind of progressive acoustic guitar players that are using these different voicings that are really creative and right. um, and then pulling some of those voicings and being able to use them to create that, that sound of, of continuity in the guitar. Very cool. So um, maybe we could talk a little bit now about um, adding in other instruments. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, you know, every time, you know, one of the things I explain to a lot of people in our band all the time, every time you add one more person, it, it basically takes away half of what you can do, you know? So, so if you add, if it's you and you add a, add a, a bass player. So right now, when you're playing by yourself, you're covering everything. You're covering all the bass notes. You're covering all of the chord. You're just doing it all. When you add a bass player, there's not quite as much of a need. And in fact, it muddies it up if you continue to to try and play bass and have the bass player if you add a keyboard player and then and there and everybody is playing the bass part you know acoustic bass and piano playing bass then then you lose a lot of the distinction that you would have from the bass and you know each instrument has their purpose so so maybe you could explain a little bit about about how you change what you do when you're playing with different groups of people. Yeah, excellent point you make. And I feel like a lot of um, church musicians, a lot of us who play in the church, we can we can learn a lot just by listening more actively. When we listen to recordings or we listen to right. stuff on the radio, 
kind of trying to discern out with our ears like what the different instruments are doing and how they're kind of fitting in a sonic range. Um, what's happening on the low end of, of the music? Can we tell what the kick drum and the bass are doing? What's happening on the high end? Where, where are keyboards and electric guitars and these kinds of things fitting in? Um, uh, just by listening and paying attention, uh, we can learn a lot uh, that would then be applicable. So uh, let's see. I don't know if we can take like a... Uh, shoot, let's take like I Can Only Imagine or something. So this the tune starts out... Uh, a lot of times it'll start out really mellow. So if I was playing uh, the guitar intro, I'd probably start pretty, uh, pretty full. Because uh, the hey, guitar is I, only doing its thing. I'm gonna, I want to pause for a second. Can I pause for a second? We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Hey, hey. We're back. <laughs> so uh, I wanted to wanted to hook Kevin up with a keyboard here, so maybe he could experiment a little bit with what John's talking about, and uh, maybe. Sweet. Yeah. So John, I'll, I'll let you uh, I'll let you give your demo, and then we can then we can add the yeah, piano good. afterwards. Did I really complicate things? No. You're, you're, this is fantastic. <laughs> okay. It'll give us a good chance to sort of illustrate what we're talking about. Um, so a lot of times, uh, you're sort of going to ask the question, uh, "What instrument's doing what?" So if, if the guitar is starting the song out by itself, the guitar is responsible to, to carry both the rhythm uh, and then sort of the tone, and also if there's any hooks going on uh, and, and melodies. So uh, with the, the, the I Can Only Imagine song, uh, if the intro was just the guitar, I would probably start sort of varying my strumming try to try to, try to emphasize the hook a little bit more. If I'm playing that intro with a piano player who's going to be covering that stuff, Are I'm you? probably going to vary what I do and, and simplify it quite a bit. Three, four. My job at this point is mostly to provide the, that kind of 16th note rhythm in the background that keeps everything moving. So the changes I've made, I've stopped sort of uh, emphasizing those hook notes, and I'm actually staying away from the, the low end of my guitar and, and concentrating a lot on these open notes at the beginning. So, so when, you, when you do that right there, when you're just playing like that, that top stuff, are you even hitting, are you even hitting those bottom strings at all? There's a couple different ways to do it. Uh, like, do, you, do you mute them with your finger? Or right, you, you can either try to avoid them with your strumming hand, or, or you can use your, uh, your your left hand that's playing the other chords to, to just sort of touch those strings and mute them. Okay. Which um, is better? Uh, it's better to mute them with your left hand. Uh, is it? That way you don't have to worry about be, being accurate or inaccurate. I'd much rather strum the all, all six strings and only have the ones I want to make sound make sound rather than trying to make sure I always miss that that string. So cuz here's one thing I've noticed when I play cuz I'm not a good guitarist or when I when other people play and they mute the string but they're still hitting that bottom string. Yes. Real hard. It can be painful. It'll happen a lot with a, a D chord so so someone's trying to play a D but but they get the A in yes. there or even worse yes. they get the the E in there. Right. 
so a lot of times if I'm playing a D, the first thing I'll do is I'll use my thumb to come up and mute that low E string. So at worst, I'm going to get the A there. And then it's just sort of a matter of being accurate with, with your strumming hand. Uh, there's there's more things you can do, but that's kind of the basic idea. Uh, if, if you're playing an A major chord, uh, you don't want the... The, the low E to the be ringing because e. all of a sudden now you're playing an A over E and then it's not the chord at all. Right. So again, you can either use the thumb or use another finger to mute. So that, so that right there, that that's one of the biggest problems that I have with some of the young guitarists that I'm I'm trying to work with. That D chord that you would just play was a classic example yeah. A. So so as someone who doesn't play guitar, do I just tell them? Do I tell them, hey, mute it with your thumb or don't play it? I mean, what, what's the easiest? What's the easiest way to do go about that? I think the, uh, hey, mute that with your thumb approach would okay. be the best. <laughs> Absolutely. Got uh, it. You know, because um, having them be accurate enough with their, their, their strumming hand to always miss that low E, that's just very difficult to yeah. do. I've been playing guitar a long time, and it's very difficult to do. Uh, so, so um, yeah, definitely. If you, you have to learn ways to play the chords up on the fretboard that are, that are going to make the notes sound you want to hear, but also ensure that the notes you don't want to hear are not ringing out yeah Absolutely. definitely great great thank you so going back to that i can only imagine song yeah. so on the recording uh, when it gets to that when it gets to that chorus part you know normally drops down to just that piano part you know yes definitely so what what do you do as a guitar player if it's just you how do you kind of emulate that yeah there's a couple different uh, approaches um if especially when you're talking about involving drums and those kinds of things. The acoustic guitar, a lot of people think about it. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know how a lot of people think about it, but I, I would suggest a really good way to think about it would be to think about it as a percussion instrument. Um, it's, it has the ability to, to carry tone and, and do things uh, played on its own. Uh, but as soon as you get a full band playing, uh, you're really not getting a lot of you're not you're not relying on the acoustic guitar to, to define the root of the chord or really even the body of the chord. Uh, uh, the percussive nature of it is really kind of carrying along the the beat and the rhythm. Uh, so you're beginning to sort of be in the drummer's territory, and you're also you're sort of in everyone's territory if you've got a large band. So as soon as the band is playing a lot, the simpler you can play the better. Uh, and I would also suggest the more consistent you can play, the better. And then you sort of pick your spots where you can add in something that would be helpful. So uh, if we're playing that chorus um, and it's just me, uh, I'll probably do something like... Try to include a little bit of fancy stuff, some hammer ons. And I'm being a little more percussive with my playing. Yeah. Now, if I'm playing that with a, a whole band and everybody is just screaming, you know, it's the, the third chorus in the tune and, and, and the, the bass players uh, hitting his eighth notes and the, uh, the drummers playing along. Two, three.
start to go back to the slightly more complicated version of what I'm doing because it can stand out again. talking about uh, related to that same idea is the idea of building a tune and and the guitar can be super helpful with that kind of thing absolutely uh we should pick a tune that that's that everybody knows uh you want to go back to like we fall down yeah or how about here i'm to worship that's a perfect that's a great builder um so here i am to worship if i'm leading this by myself i'm gonna try to think about where I want the song to start, where I want it to end, and try to give it some room to grow dynamically and progress, uh, maybe come back and grow again, those kinds of things. Uh, it's helpful to think about if you if you are a semi-advanced guitar player, you probably have different options available to you with finger-picking and strumming. Always a great idea to start out a tune finger-picking and then make it kind of a slow transition into strumming if you're playing by yourself. Um, and you got to think sort of in terms of dynamics. So if, if I'm here, I am to worship. Um, I might start as mellow as this. intro yeah uh, when the tune is, is rocking and everything's big I mean I might be doing this you know but if you don't have that dynamic range you try to start the song out like that <laughs> Uh, I heard you, that done. You're, you're either, yeah, we're, uh, we're laughing because it's happening. <laughs> no, and it's fine. I think if people are doing it on purpose that way, that way that's one thing. But if, but if you're doing it because you don't have any other options available to you or you haven't thought through uh, what, are, what are some dynamic ranges I can use, uh, then that's more sad. Uh, so then it enters into the realm of oh. <laughs> so if you can start out the song sort of on purpose... We'll do a real simple thing here. I won't, I'll try to stay away from anything too crazy. Maybe by the time you get into the first chorus, you can add a little uh, strum from here. And here I am to worship and here I am to bow down And here I am to say that You're my God You're all together lovely And all together Right, so maybe the, uh, by the time you get to the second verse You're going to add some band in uh, I'm probably going to tighten my guitar playing up To something like this I'm doing some palm muting. I'm using my pick at this point. So now we're 
start the second chorus. I'm going to fill it out a little bit. I'm not going to mute my palm anymore. I'm just doing more strumming. strumming that we talked about at the beginning yeah. but, but it felt really natural that we were there then because we had sort of progressively built uh, the song up so uh, totally important and and very um i think the key for most guitar players is just to think about it uh to be because they have the skills to to do some finger picking they have different strumming patterns available to them but to think through you know what thing wh where should i start and how should it build to that full-on right. strumming when we get there I used an interesting word there. Think. Think. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> what a concept. No. Oh. Kind of poking fun at it, but you know, it's true that how often you know do we just not think about it? We just get up there and do it. Right. We just see the the chart and go, okay, I know these. these I know these chords. Yeah. Yeah. Bah, and just, bah, bah. Just everybody just kind of starts playing. Yeah. Well, and I think also there's kind of at least I've experienced this uh, this misperception. That all right. Well, if I'm on worship team that morning, then I gotta play, and I play every time. Like like when the song starts, I play, and and I've been really teaching my guys. You know, hey, when we're on the verse, just back off. Let's just have it be bass and drums. You know, um, just back off, and you don't have to always play. And it's so it's so much uh, it's so much um, more natural when when you hear a progression and a build where you're adding and including other instruments so one real quick thing i wanted to touch on because i know we're running out of time here um uh, so what you just played john um was kind of this idea of of you you know if you're leading that song here i'm to worship and I, I was playing underneath and i know for me when when i'm when I'm accompanying someone, so like you know, if we're in a situation which we've actually been in in the past, where you're you're leading and I'm just kind of doing piano, um, I, I totally changed the way that I you know, my pedal. <clears throat> I totally changed the way that I play. So like that that example right there, um, you know, I, I was doing a lot more. I ha I had personally a lot more space. You know more. You know, um, but when I'm leading it. When I'm leading a song, I play much differently. So I guess my question is, if 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 there's a piano leading, do you play differently as a guitar player? Uh, do you feel differently? Um, what's an example of that? Yeah, I think um, obviously the guitar is a very versatile instrument. Uh, it can be used for everything from uh, sort of the rhythm acoustic guitar that's setting the pace for the tune and everyone's sort of keying off of it to... Uh, the screaming electric guitar solo to uh, kind of crunchy um, power chords to um, you know the finger the easy finger style guitar. So I'm, it, it would probably depend a bunch upon um, what your what your function and your role is. I, and I think I'd encourage everyone who's playing in a worship band. It, it can even it could be a fantastic conversation. Like what is my function? What is my role? What is my instrument doing? 
either in general and for us as a band or on this song, you know. So um, if we if if let's say we were leading, uh, we were playing that same "Here I Am to Worship," but but the piano is going to sort of be the lead, and the, right. the worship leader is leading from piano. Uh, sometimes, uh, sometimes you'll have a somebody leading from piano. They want the guitar to start the song, so the guitar will. But let's say the piano is starting it as we are. Yeah, and you've got maybe uh, other accomplished musicians that are playing. There's more room for me as a guitar player uh, to sort of uh, screw around and do my thing. I might do something like that. I don't have any signal from you right now. No signal. Oh, man, it sounded good, too. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> all right, give it back to me. All again. right, all right, so here's the intro again. Uh, actually, let's just take the verse. Two, three, four. See, and that's exactly we're essentially we just switched roles. Yeah, you know, that, that's you're exactly holding what down was... uh, rhythm, I, and I'm sort of taking the, the the ability to kind of put some frills in and do more hooky type things. Right, because because when you were playing uh, first time earlier and you were leading, you know, I was doing a lot more kind of just spacey, you know. Octaves, of course, you know. Exactly. Yeah. So I, th I think. It, those kinds of discussions can be really helpful. Um, you've got, if you're a seasoned player, sort of used to, to feeling those rolls out on the fly, but but if it's newer, it's it's really helpful to just talk through, like, who, who are we listening to to sort of set the tempo here? And and um, is my role to, to play along with that tempo? Um, I th I, man, I think the, the one of the most helpful things... Uh, discussions can be who are we listening to to set the tempo for this song uh and and whoever that person is uh, if you're that person you need to go home and, and practice playing with a metronome a little bit and, and make sure you can be consistent and that that just even playing with a metronome most people think it's sort of silly or too much work but there is no substitute for for being able to follow a, a beat or, or to be yep. able to play a, a consistent tempo I uh, preach metronome a lot. Yeah, it is fantastic. So, so you, I ha you have a supporter here of yeah. metronome preaching. Well, but um, especially you know nowadays with a lot of a lot of the worst music that's out, if you want to play with loops, yeah, click tracks, and you, you gotta have you, you gotta, gotta be, be able to play with a metronome. So it's a pretty important thing. Wow, but man, great stuff, John. Thank you, thank you so much. 
Well, I'm sure there's about a million more hours of stuff that we could cover, but uh, Let, let's do episodes 30 through 70 right now. <laughs> in the next, we'll just keep recording. But uh, we'll we'll get John back in here uh, sometime in the future to talk about. You know, I was thinking it'd be great if we could do like a whole uh, a whole big uh, full on worship band. What and recording live. on the podcast? Yeah, live wow. recording. That's like, ambitious. And just kind of talk about it. That's ambitious. We like can at get, least a four a four piece band. We can or get Scott in here. Yeah, uh, we playing get, electric. Yeah, we could play drums or something like that. Scott Scott actually recorded on uh well it was like episode seven and eight on mm-hmm. our podcast. And uh, FYI, fun fact: uh, Scott Olson and John Ross and myself, we all kind of played in the same band together. Black Sheep. Um, and then, <laughs> there he goes again. Loser. The band was called Black Sheep. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Hey, well, we're out of time, um, but man, we we've had a great time. John, thank you for bringing your guitar. Thanks, uh, for, thanks for having me. I really appreciate the chance to be here for lending your expertise. And uh, for you listeners, uh, wait for next week because that's when we're going to start getting into some good discussion about liturgy and uh, John's role at his church. Um, so so hold out for that. But thank you for listening. You can, uh, you know what? I'll let you do the outro stuff since you always do yeah, it. Yeah, so you can get in touch with John uh, by going to johnrossmusic.com or pearlchurch.com. And so if you have questions that you'd like to ask him about either guitar or how they do ministry there in the Pearl, a different, a lot different environment than a lot of us are used to. So lots of great discussion possibilities there. But uh, you can also get in uh, touch with us, worshipministrycatalyst.com. David at worshipministrycatalyst.com is my email, or you can email Kevin. Kevin at worshipministrycatalyst.com. And you can listen to more of John's music on our social network, worshipministrycatalyst.ning.com. <laughs> we think John's cracking up. <laughs> Sorry, it's like a tradition. We always do that. Yeah, now. It's one of our trademarks. Dude, we do it again. I want to do the ning. Worship Ministry Catalyst dot ning dot com. So uh, anyway, for me, guys. yeah, thanks You're for welcome. thanks for being here with us, John. Really appreciate it. Hopefully, well, I'm sure you got a lot of great stuff out of that. Pass it on to your guitarist and your worship band, and uh, and we hope to hear from you again soon. And we'll see you next week, guys. Bye.